Hello, and welcome to A Health Podacy. In some markets, it's probably too late. I don't think it's too late in a number of markets, and the way we receive care is evolving over time. So we really should look forward and imagine there may be a world in which hospitals don't have all the market power that they currently have. I'm your host, Alan Weil. The U.S. government reports that total spending on hospital care in 2019 was almost $1.2 trillion. High and highly variable hospital prices have been in the news a lot lately, in part due to new information made available under price transparency rules promulgated by the Trump administration. Now, competitive markets are supposed to constrain prices, but in much of the country, there is little competition among hospitals. And consolidation throughout the healthcare sector has been a contributor to that. The result is a number of proposals to regulate healthcare prices in general and in hospitals in particular. Hospital prices are the subject of today's health policy. I'm here with Limor Daphne, the Bruce V. Rauner Professor of Business Administration at the Harvard Business School and the Harvard Kennedy School. Dr. Daphne and co-authors published a paper in the September 2021 issue of Health Affairs, analyzing hospital prices and relating them to market concentration. They found the relationship isn't as straightforward as you might imagine, and this has major implications for any consideration of regulating prices. Uh, Dr. Daphne, welcome to the program. Pleased to be here. Okay, let's start with the evidence base, if you will. What is the evidence just regarding the relationship between hospital consolidation and hospital prices? Well, you know, Alan, that there uh, are a range of issues on which economists vehemently disagree and policy analysts disagree. This is not really one of them. It's pretty well established that hospital mergers on average tend to lead to price increases. Um, There's a virtually no evidence of quality improvements and uh, and evidence of some quality deterioration. So I would say that evidence base is pretty strong and that is what has motivated a lot of um, policy interest in doing something about the consolidation. Yeah, you're right. It is hard to find places where there's such uniformity of opinion. Um, now, For those who aren't steeped in the literature, your paper looks at a few concepts, and I just want to make sure we ground everyone. What really is market concentration? And then what is a high price for a hospital? Those bills always seem high. Well, um, let's start with market concentration. Uh, First of all, a market is this construct, uh, an area of commerce. Uh, effectively, that typically uh, has both a geographic element and what we would call a product market element. Um, So uh, oftentimes we might say inpatient uh, general acute care services could be the set of, you know, a product market definition. uh, And then a geographic market could be something like a metropolitan statistical area, say. Uh, And concentration is a measure of the shares of the different suppliers to that market. So it's a way of aggregating those shares that is not just a simple sum, but it gives you a sense of how concentrated the supplier sector is. That is, you know, is it primarily served by a small number of of suppliers or uh, is it characterized by a lot of suppliers who have fairly uh, small shares, so a less concentrated market. Okay, so that's the concentration side. And then 
Uh, how do we decide that a hospital price is high? Uh, well, uh, like we decide many things, uh, it, it's often relative. <laughs> and in the case of a study that um, that is uh, uh, the you know approximate reason for this conversation today, um, we define high price as being in the top quartile of prices nationally for a given inpatient service or outpatient service adjusted for wages. So top 25 percentile is what we are calling high price. So given where we started, which is consensus around the relationship between consolidation and prices, how do you uh, build a hypothesis around the relationship between market concentration, which is related to consolidation, but not identical, uh, the relationship between market concentration and prices. Absolutely. So the research literature out there on the impact of changes in concentration, changes in, in market structure, and changes in price is strong and robust. There is also some research out there on the association between just levels of concentration and levels of price, and those things are very highly correlated too, um, but, uh, and they're easier to study if you will, and that makes it an easier jumping point for a policy proposal is to take a look at the market concentration. Uh, we have policies or specifically we have um, competition law enforcement uh, with respect to specific mergers or consolidations, um, and we may end up talking about that at some point. But with respect to the entire market, uh, you need some market-wide uh, measure. And using this concentration, I should say, as a trigger for, for uh, potentially regulating prices uh, is a way of trying to address this reality that uh, more consolidation has led to more concentration, and that's leading us to higher prices. Yeah, so it's been a few decades since I took antitrust law, but my recollection is that having a monopoly or near monopoly isn't really against the law. It's taking actions to make that happen or exert your power that's a problem. So what you're saying is that the dynamics and the place uh, let me try that again, because that wasn't very clear. Oh, uh, good. But, I get to do that, too. Okay. Yes, you can. <laughs> we, we, we both get two free passes. Um, All right. But uh, the the level of concentration and the change in concentration are related but distinct phenomena, and we're trying to sort of get a sense of how both of them play out in this world. So let's just cut to the chase here. You're study looked at the relationship between concentration and prices, and what'd you find? Okay, because you made such a good point, I'm going to go back to your point, which was great recall on, on monopolization. Okay. But you raised the fact that levels of concentration and changes in concentration are not the same thing, and our antitrust laws help us address changes due to mergers. But levels of concentration, if it's already fairly well monopolized, unless you're taking other actions to prevent rivals from coming in and so forth, there's not much you can do by competition law. Where in that case, there can be a role for regulators who have who may decide, you know what, these uh, organizations have market power and they're charging high prices, but we don't want to be subject to that market power because we have a lot of public interest in this sector and a lot of public dollars are going toward it. So we're deciding perhaps that we should regulate price and uh, address the market power that way. So even though the actors aren't 
doing anything nefarious. They may just be in a situation to command prices higher than we think people should have to pay. And we say, sorry, can't charge that. That's what price regulation is. So let's talk about what the paper says, and then we can say, you and I, whatever we want, um, that, may, that may or may not, you know, hopefully would be evidence-based. But the evidence basis that we, that we uh, uh, have established in the paper, if I might, is looking at uh, where do we see high prices of hospitals and how is that related to market concentration? And the reason we looked at that is because there are a lot of proposals that say uh, in areas where uh, the hospital market is fairly concentrated, we should cap prices or we should set prices. Uh, there's a difference, right? The cap is the maximum and setting the price is saying what the price will be for different services as, as say Medicare does for um, prospective payment. So what we do in this paper is we try to assess whether those kinds of proposals would get the job done. And we look at the set of hospitals in the U.S. that meet, you know, certain minimum criteria. We use a large sample of claims data. We construct a price index for every hospital. Uh, it basically normalizes their prices for what by what Medicare would have paid the hospital for the same things. And we identify which ones are in the top quartile. Okay. Uh, and then we look at the market structure. We look at this concentration measure and see, are the high-priced hospitals located in markets that are highly concentrated where potential regulations may be put in place? And the answer is, most of them are not. Most of them are located below the thresholds that are typically thought of as highly concentrated, which means if you wanted to do something about the market power of hospitals, about their ability to charge high prices, then targeting hospitals in areas of high concentration only will uh, be far from your best solution, I think. Okay, so I want to tease out this story because on the one hand, the finding is simple. Your high-priced hospitals aren't just where markets are concentrated. But Given what you said about consolidation um, and given the limited levers that policymakers have, I'm just trying to figure out where we go with this finding. So first of all, I guess the direct implication is the one you said, which is if you're trying to get a handle on prices and you only regulate where there's high concentration, you're going to miss a lot of high prices. But the next question is, well, how do the hospitals get away with high prices where there isn't market concentration? Because isn't the whole reason we would target regulation in concentrated markets is because we think markets do something to constrain prices and we only need to regulate where markets aren't doing that. But that doesn't seem to be the story. I'm going to give you the most, the, the true and also fairly dull answer, which is measurement error. Oh, it's that is dull. dull. I know. I know. It's because we aren't measuring markets properly. If we were measuring markets properly, quite quite likely we would identify who has market power using our market concentration measures. But say you take something like the most common uh, area used in a proposal is the um, health referral region. Say you take something like that. Well, in that case, there could be a very dominant hospital system that is able to charge very high prices because of its market power. And yet in that area, there are a large number of other hospitals. 
bills. And when you add up all their market shares and you square them, which is what we do to construct our typical measure of market concentration, the Herfindahl-Hirschman index, then you may end up with a fairly low Herfindahl index and still have an entity that has pretty high market power. So what I'm getting at with my answer to you, this is a measurement error problem, is that regulation of necessity has to be simple. And this simple approach that try, that is based on a true foundation of economics when implemented is really somewhat distant from it. Okay. Now you if I remember correctly, in the paper, you actually had two different measures of markets, if I'm wrong on that, uh, correct? Pretty sure we tried four. Okay. Well, then I'm sorry I missed two of them. And so the point, though, is that none of them really quite get at this con the, the, the underlying dynamics of the market. Yeah, the smaller the market definition, the less problematic. Uh, but then you also end up with the other type of error, right, where you're regulating many who don't, who aren't truly high priced and so forth. So, uh, yes, the smaller the market definition, the less likely you are to, to have this problem. And our paper demonstrates that, but also demonstrates the sensitivity of regulating based on market definition. And, of course, if it's crude, for general acute care services, imagine if you start regulating other kinds of services, how will you create the appropriate market definition? As someone who engages often in, in uh, antitrust discussions uh, and even uh, uh, court cases, I can tell you we spend a lot of time trying to get the market definition just right uh, for each deal. So if the government is going to try to implement price regulations based on market concentration, I applaud the intent, but I question the effect. Um, this robust discussion about regulation from a professor at a business school is just making me squirm a little bit, and I wonder how your colleagues feel about that. I want to get a little deeper into the question of what kind of regulation might be appropriate, or is this just showing us the, the, the underlying flaws of regulation entirely? Um, let's have that conversation after we take a short break. Perinatal mental health issues, including perinatal depression and other mood disorders, affect many individuals in the U.S. and globally and can lead to harm to birthing people and children. The October issue of Health Affairs features a cluster of papers on this important topic. It covers issues such as screening and access to treatment, health equity, and policy opportunities. Check the show notes to order your copy today. And we're back. I'm speaking with Limor Daphne about hospital prices, market concentration, market consolidation, and how that all plays out when you're trying to figure out options for regulating to avoid high prices. Uh, when we went to the break, you were describing, I thought, a very interesting phenomenon, which is that you said in a court case, you're very fact specific. You're looking at a particular instance and you can calibrate your remedies or your requirements quite carefully. Regulations don't tend to do that. They tend to be quite broad. So I guess I have to ask the kind of obvious question, which is, if our gross measures of markets are so bad or so limited, let me put it that way, um, but they're, they're sufficiently 
uh, weak, that it would be hard to use them for effective price regulation. Is the appropriate response to say, well, just find high prices wherever they are and don't even think about market structure and just say, hey, these prices are too high. Let's cut them down. There is no perfect. There is no first best, if you will. Uh, but uh, my co-authors and I have uh, a proposal uh, that would do something like what you described. Uh, and uh, basically, our idea is that the very high, highest prices are so likely to uh, be the result of market power that we ought to cap them and just say you can't have prices beyond uh, a certain level. And we have ideas on what that level should be. And yes, there's some kind of risk that that those uh, that you are preventing institutions from innovating in a way that is both expensive and valuable. But we have another problem, which is that hospital prices over the last decade recently measured have increased 42% compared to, I think it's 14% for general inflation and um, something lower in the 20s for physicians. So we have a problem uh, and uh, there's go there are going to be trade-offs. So one, one solution that, that we think is likely to be preferable to solutions that regulate based on market structure is regulating on the outcome itself, which is price. So the idea is you've done this fancy analysis and what it shows is that the, the uh, metric that many propose as a sign of the problem is just not good enough. And so just cut to the chase and say, go straight to price. Yeah, go straight to it. And, you know, there are nuances, by the way. Price caps are just one piece of, uh, of the proposal. We also propose um, capping the, the growth in prices uh, and having regulatory structures in place to consider what happens if there are workarounds or shifts in volume and so forth to, to uh, circumvent it. So it's a little more nuanced than what I described. But I just want to concur that, yes, we're saying, hey, this, this was a nice idea. It seems market-based. It's not likely to work. I'm really curious because you've worked in this area quite a bit. Um, when I asked the problem, you said uh, measurement error, and that's not a you know not interesting, but it is important. Um, so I guess I just really want to ask, based on the example you gave, is your sense that there are a lot of markets actually that do work? It's just that the broad metrics we use the uh, for market concentration and defining markets are not sufficiently specific. Um, and so those that are sort of outliers within the market using their leverage are, they're the outliers, but in general, the markets really are constraining price. Or is your view that fundamentally, this is a market that just doesn't work and so it doesn't matter whether you're concentrated or unconcentrated, you're not going to get lower prices as a result of competition, period. Which I know those are somewhat extreme, but I'm really curious where on that continuum you think the reality is. So I can't speak for my co-authors. <laughs> Speaking for myself, I'm, I'm still a market enthusiast. Uh, and what that means is that I believe that in some areas, markets can work and that there are policies we can put in place to promote competition. For example, uh, certain providers should not be permitted to include anti-tiering and anti-steering provisions in their contracts. So if I'm 
of a, of a certain size, I can't make it a condition of my contract with an insurer that they not put me in a more expensive copay cost sharing tier than any other provider. Okay, so that would help to promote competition. Uh, if we also uh, made it so that uh, narrow networks were more commonly offered um, and perhaps even were required to be offered by employers of a certain size with a certain price discount, I can think of ways that we can try to promote more competition for patients in some areas. There are some areas that are, if you will, either too far gone uh, or maybe can't support that many rivals. In that case, I think that we need, we can't just look aside anymore. Uh, we ought to do some price regulating, but I am not saying price administering. Administering would be setting the price for everything. That's what Medicare does. Um, that's not what I'm personally proposing. I'm, I'm at the moment proposing caps on, on maxima and caps on growth uh, and still allowing differentiations in, in prices. That's uh, very helpful. Um, so we've been talking completely about hospitals. And yes, they are $1.2 trillion. But according to the National Health Accounts, professional services are over a trillion dollars as well. That's mostly physicians, but not entirely, of course. Um, where do clinicians fit in this analysis? They're the ones often who are guiding, steering uh, patients to one place or another based on their affiliations or their practice preferences. Um, and their prices may be a problem directly as well. So round out the picture with the second largest slice of healthcare uh, so that we can think of these maybe together. Well, there was an article in 2019 published in uh, in Health Affairs, in fact, uh, by Zach Cooper and Stuart Craig and Marty Gaynor and others. Uh, and they took some uh, uh, commercial claims data and compared the price growth for hospitals, as I had mentioned kind of earlier, uh, between 2007 and looks like 2014, and they found that was 42%. Um, and uh, physician prices on average increased 18%. So I mentioned that's a pretty big difference suggesting that the problem of price growth at least um, is uh, is more focused on hospitals than on physicians. Uh, that doesn't mean that we should say uh, give physician prices quote a free pass um, and we aren't in that a lot of the price growth there has to do with surprise billing I believe uh, and we we're, we have some national policy to address that. It's also the case that hospitals increasingly have acquired physician practices. Uh, so if one addresses hospital prices, our study also looks at outpatient uh, uh, care uh, delivered at hospitals, and we find the same result, which is you don't address most of the high-priced outpatient facilities if you focus just on the market structure. So we would say don't leave outpatient out, um, and uh, at the same time, we are much less concerned about the more fragmented physician market uh, at the moment. Uh, I would say it's not that that fragmented anymore. So give give it a little bit of time, and and I bet we'll have this conversation in a couple of years again. Yeah. So I want to push a little on this, and maybe you already answered it, but I I want to push, which is the question, of course, isn't just physician prices; it's physician 
uh, decisions that affect where people get hospital services. And so I guess the what I was trying to get at with my question wasn't, uh, it's partly, is there something we should do on physician prices? Because there's a lot of money there. But it's also, can we really study hospital prices without also studying physician behavior, physician consolidation, um, or are they separate phenomena? And you, you, you definitely gave a, the first answer to that, which is with acquisition, it's sort of the same pot. But there's a lot going on that isn't just about acquisition. Let me reframe the question, if I might. Please. Uh, you're asking me about the concern, I think, that just regulating a price uh, might be missing uh, a lot of the forest, if you will, uh, and that part of the reason is that physicians have a lot of influence over what happens and where it happens. And if you regulate price per unit, uh, you you might not end up achieving your objective of containing the, the growth of healthcare spending. So a, a great example of this would be if a hospital acquires a physician practice or has its employed physicians already uh, order all all ancillary services to be performed at hospital-based facilities. Those will be much more expensive than in freestanding facilities, even if they don't increase the price. Uh, they just increase the share of patients receiving care at high-cost sites of service. So this is a reason why price regulation is not enough. It is not enough. What we really want is to try to regulate total cost of care, quality, and risk adjusted. Uh, and we want patients somehow magically attributed to one unified agent. So I want I want the sun, the moon, and the stars too. Uh, and it's painful for me to use the words regulation and prices and you know advocate for them uh, as an as an economist because it is so far from the optimal. At the same time, uh, you know, letting letting the perfect be the enemy of the good uh, is something that I learned not to do once I had children. <laughs> well, that's a good lesson. So, um, if we go back to the beginning, though, you said your first answer was there's not much economists agree on, but they do agree that consolidation tends to be put upward pressure on prices with no evidence of quality improvement and some degradation. Is there anything we can do, or are we just too far gone with respect to consolidation? Uh, that, you know, everything you've discussed since then has been sort of balance this, balance that, way this, way that, but you began with this very definitive statement. So given that, is there anything we could do to sort of reverse some of those trends and hope that we could undo some of the damage or is it just too late or is it not possible? All right. I will say in some markets, it's probably too late. Okay? I don't think it's too late in a, in a number of markets and the way we receive care is evolving over time. So we really uh, should, should look forward and imagine there may be a world in which hospitals don't have all the market power that they currently have. Uh, and, you know, I, I won't, I'm sure if I, if I open up my latest edition of health affairs, I'll probably learn more about hospital at home and potentially more about, uh, rivals from the tech sector that are finding alternative ways to provide care. Uh, so I would say that, uh, that a couple of things are necessary. I'm certainly in favor of increasing the, uh, 
the scope of resources available to our antitrust enforcers, increasing monitoring, ready access to data. Believe it or not, that's a big issue both for researchers and for enforcers, and also expanding uh, the interpretation uh, of the antitrust laws as the current uh, uh enforcers or past enforcers and judges have have uh, interpreted them. So I think there's a lot of scope there. Some of it may require congressional action. That's difficult in flow. Uh, but I do think there there is scope for that. On the other side, right, so that's on the supply side. That's saying we could maybe do something to prevent uh, entities from combining if that's going to likely harm consumers, right? And the enforcers do do challenge a lot of transactions, but not all conduct or transactions, of course, are challenged and not all should be, but uh, that's one point. But then on the other side is the demand side. Uh, the only reason it is profitable for institutions to keep merging and raising prices is because we keep buying at those prices. So how do we get a more responsive downstream demand. And to, to make that happen, we need employers to aggressively pursue things like uh, tiering, like reference pricing, uh, like narrow networks, so that there's an incentive, so providers no longer have a market incentive to try to consolidate and raise prices because they won't gain share, they'll lose share, I should say. Uh, so you can do it on the supply. You can do it on the demand. We aren't doing enough of either. Well, I uh, I have a feeling you're going to be studying these topics for quite some time. Uh, they are thorny and complex and, uh, and also, of course, very political because we're talking about huge amounts of money. Um, I do wonder, you've done some of the leading work in this area. What's on your research agenda now? What's the question burning in your mind that you think uh, you're, you'd like to get the answer to? This one I don't think will surprise you, uh, but we have a ton of evidence that horizontal integration, at least of you know, entities that are of sufficient size, is not helping us. Uh, but we don't know as much about vertical integration. Uh, and by that, I mean up and down the value chain of production, uh, hospitals and physicians, we know, but what about hospitals and ambulatory surgery centers? And what about uh, skilled nursing facilities uh, and so forth? We are seeing a lot of vertical integration also in pharmaceutical uh, and uh, or the pharmacy benefit management and insurers or insurers acquiring providers. So that is tough to study because uh, it's hard to find a lot of uniform examples, so you can do big data analysis, but um, that's why I've got some great students to help me. Well, this is such a dynamic market, and of course, in the United States, we are enamored with markets, and they produce amazing things. Um, but it's also, as I think you've made clear, uh, there are trade-offs here, and we are in a world right now where uh, the prices have gotten to a point that uh, there are huge affordability barriers for everyone on the buying side. And and your comment about uh, demand, we have had models like reference pricing for seemingly forever with strong evidence base and employers are very slow to move in those directions. So there's a lot of stickiness um, and resistance, um, which I suspect will give you plenty more to study over a uh, fruitful career. So Dr. Daphne, thank you so much for the work, for the conversation. 
uh, for your contribution and for being my guest today on Health Policy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll tell a friend about a health policy. Health Policy is produced by Health Affairs, the leading journal for health policy research. The team behind the show includes Patty Sweet, Jeff Byers, Julia Vivolo, Sarah Kolk, and Sue Ducat. Like the show? Subscribe to A Health Policy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, and have a great morning, day, or evening.